Paul Champanelli. I am Kirk Pinchon. Oh, Kirk, how are you doing? Oh, oh Paul, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Yeah, uh, I was just watching a video that delighted me. Ooh, I like and a delightful video. Okay. Right before, right before you called me, I was watching this video. I didn't even finish watching it, but I was already filled with delight. <laughs> okay. Um, you know how much I love Doja Cat. We've talked about Doja Cat before. Yes, I the the one song of hers I know that I love. Uh, uh, what is it, Cat or Cow? Which one is it called? Oh, Bitch, Moo. It's I'm called a, Moo. Moo. <laughs> I got it all wrong. She's oh, Doja so Cat. The yeah. song is "Bitch, I'm a Cow." Bitch, I'm a cow. But it's actually called "Moo!" Exclamation point. I'm not a cat. I don't say meow. Right. Yeah, that's right. Love that song. But uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't been listening to too much new music. The older I get, the less new music I listen to. And this year, more than ever, because it's such a bad year. I've retreated more than ever into just old comforts rather than new things. Yeah, it's what Um, you need. But it also kind of doesn't matter because Say So by Doja Cat is was the song of the year in like January mm-hmm. and it was never going to be topped. It was never going to be topped. Um, but the video I was just watching is a few months old, but I only just saw it was Doja Cat was doing a live stream on Instagram live or whatever. And one of her fans who was watching the live stream said, hey, have you seen the Japanese cover of Say So. And she hadn't, but while she was on the live stream, she looked it up on YouTube. But this Japanese girl translated the lyrics oh. and then recorded herself singing the song in Japanese to the track. And she's great. But the video I was watching was Doja Cat watching that video and reacting to it. Oh, reaction and video. Like, Loving it. Yes, it was a it was a reaction video of Doja Cat watching a cover of her song. And she was delighted. Yeah, it was a great cover that was delightful, and then Doja Cat was delighted by it. And then Doja Cat's delight was delightful. <laughs> it's just all bag of delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I encourage you to I would encourage you to do it the way I did it. Watch the reaction video first. Mm-hmm. Watch Doja Cat enjoy it. And then go and watch the video that she watched. It's does, just a girl in front of a mic singing, but... Uh, does the really Japanese good. translation fit the cadence of the song? Yes. And she Ooh. has she has the translation on the screen. So the girl both has the Doja Cat lyrics and then the, the actual Japanese characters of the translation. And then the anglicized, you know, phonetic okay. Japanese. So she has all three on the screen. And according to that, she did a direct translation of the actual lyrics. Because you know how sometimes when a song is translated into a foreign language, it will be different lyrics to fit the yeah, cadence? Exactly. Um, she apparently did a straight translation. So, Oh, it's wow. It's a lot of fun. Check that out. See, that's something new. That song anyway. That's something yeah. new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That counts. It's a few months old for a song that's even a few months older. But it's all 2020. Yeah, it's all 2020. It all counts. Speaking of new, since you brought it up, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question, and it's going to sound like a real old dad question. <laughs> uh, what's the deal with the whole WAP controversy? WAP? WAP? Yeah, WAP. The, the, WAP, the, the uh, Cardi, Cardi B, B and Megan The Stallion thing? Yeah. What about it? Is there some sort of controversy going on? Well, it's a very – the whole thing with um, um, Ben uh, – Yeah. What's his name? If whatever I mean, whatever his face is. That right-wing guy. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very sexually explicit song. Yeah. And uh, what's his – I'm glad I don't know his name. I want to say Ben Sinclair, but that's yeah. not it. Yeah, it's that better terrible, not to know the douchebag's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude who's like 36, but he still looks like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, anyway. He – read the lyrics on his show because he was he, you know he was doing a thing of how like oh this is disgusting and uh-huh. this this terrible rap music basically Ugh. and then he so he was reading the sexually explicit lyrics but he was censoring them and uh-huh. it was just it was just a terror it was just all this like conservative like yeah. virgin energy and him sort of trying to take down this Song that everybody loves because yeah. it's uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion and it's great. 
And um, so I don't know that the song itself is controversial so much as everyone was roasting that guy on Twitter for trying oh, to good. criticize it. Yeah, the minute you start transcribing a rap song yeah. for newsworthy, you immediately sound like an old curmudgeon, no matter what yeah. you are. And you just yeah. look ridiculous. Yeah, he's he's yeah, that's what it was. Okay. And then I, he also and any any he, he he just owned himself so bad and then he got made fun of for that and then he tried to comment on it further to be funny about it on Twitter and he just made it worse. So it's not so much that the song is controversial. Like, yeah, it's sexually explicit, but whatever. Mm. It's Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Um, From Cardi B. Yeah, yes. no, it was the it was the right wing pundit trying to take it down. Oh, okay. And failing. Yeah, and it was just like the cell phone of the year. Oh good. Good for yeah. him. I still can't remember his name. Yeah. Still glad about it. Yeah. Still happy that you haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And if you don't know who we're talking about, like consider yourself lucky. Yeah. Don't you are blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a thirty five year old like Rush Limbaugh. He's like the new Rush Limbaugh. Uh, barf. But you know. Yeah. Um, so that's what that was. Okay. But now enough. it's time for Don't At Me. Don't at me. Okay, of course, Don't At Me is the part of the show when Kirk and I each say a hot take or an unpopular opinion about something in music, but we don't care about anyone else's opinion, so please don't at us. Do not, please. Uh, I'll go first this time. Sounds good. Let's let's take it back to 1996 for this one. Ooh, okay, let's talk good about year. that year when I was a freshman in high school. I was in my mid-twenties. And everybody in Metallica looked better when they cut their hair. The only sellout was Kirk, who grew his long again later. And that's a shame, because Kirk's the only guy in that band who doesn't suck. (laughs) Don't at me about Metallica's haircuts. That, like a good haircut, is wonderfully layered. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah, when they put Load out, the album Load, yeah. and they all got haircuts, and it was this big thing because the metalheads got short haircuts. Yeah, They looked great. They looked great. Oh, they, they looked didn't amazing. They look like metalhead teens anymore. They were no, grown they up looked, men. They looked their age. I, that's why I was so shocked that you said it because I was always like, yeah, they look way better. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the true metalheads said it was a sell, but whatever. They look great. The second and they suck anyway, with... so who, how can you sell out when they already suck? <laughs> <laughs> the second part I didn't realize from you because I didn't realize that a I forgot that Kirk grew out his hair very very soon after like he got that haircut like once and then just never cut yeah. it again and now he has hair like he used to have because he's the one he's got all the long curly hair yes yeah and then the fact that you're like and he's the best one but yet he's yeah, the one Kirk's, Kirk's that the grew only his guy hair. in Metallica who seems like a cool dude you know and yes. not like a full of himself douchebag. Yeah. Anytime you see them interviewed, Kirk is like, I would hang out with Kirk. I agree. Um, I agree. Ah, that's good. But he's a sellout for growing his hair back out. That's what I say. Couldn't handle the grief from the metalheads, apparently. (laughs) Too much guff. Too much guff from the metalheads, man. Wow. I didn't know that. That's really funny. That's really, really funny. Um, Mine is very, very short. It is... No as short really, as Metallica's haircuts. It's <laughs> almost as short, but not as cool. Uh, no one really likes Miles Davis's "Bitches Brew." They only <gasps> pretend to like it. Don't at me. I think you've said that "Don't at me" before. <laughs> I've not said the "Don't at me" before, but I think I've talked about it. And the reason why I brought it up yeah. is because I, Anne, and I uh, just recently watched the. There's a Miles Davis documentary on uh, Netflix, oh. which is quite good. It is – I highly recommend it. Just look up Miles Davis on Netflix. It is a great documentary. It is a good length. It is informative. They talk to a lot of different people. There's a lot of good footage. And throughout it all, it's fascinating and you're hearing his music and you're like, oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah, that was great. And then they get to Bitches Brew and you're just like, ugh. ugh. I mean is it is it just Bitches Brew for you or is it like all of the fusion stuff? Bitches it's Brew in- onward. Well, there's Bitches Brew, uh, which I haven't talked about too much. I've talked about On the Corner, 
which is um, on the corner is the album, I think after Bitches Brew, where he's like, this is my funk album. This is for the kids. And I was like, this is going to be the greatest album I've ever heard. Bought it. The cover of the album is like a Fat Albert cartoon. So it looks super cool. And then you play the, the CD and you're just like, what the fuck? It's like one long <laughs> intro. So you keep waiting for the funk to kick in. And you're like, no, it's just this one long abstract intro. Yeah. So that's actually more disappointing. But Bitches Brew, especially in the documentary, everyone's like, oh, Bitches Brew. He just, he went the other way. And oh my God, the audience has loved it. And then I hear it and I go, oh, they just pretend they love it. <laughs> so they can sound cool. You're not going to convince have, me. You otherwise. don't have much tolerance for pretentious music. No, I don't. Yeah. And it's really funny. And I'm going to dig deep into this more. After that fusion in like the uh, in the late '80s, he started doing covers of pop songs. Oh yeah, he very famously did uh, the. I, um, he did time after time. Time after time, which yeah. is great. And then yeah. he did a Scritti Politti song, and I was like, "Oh, that's right, he did a Scritti Politti song." <laughs> wait, wait. Wait, I grew up with a very big fan of Miles Davis in my dad. Mm -hmm. I never knew that he covered fucking Scritti Politti. He covered it. He covered Perfect Way. He covered their one hit. Uh, Scritti Politti. Did he also do like Happy Mondays? Yeah, I think he did a bunch of, he just, he was just at that age. He's a little older. He's a little slower. He's just like, I'm just going to interpret these. And they're wonderful. They're really, really wonderful. I mean, look, I... I don't agree or disagree with you on that one. I never – I think that I don't like Bitches Brew. I mm-hmm. feel like maybe my father, you know, played it in the house and I sort of was like, wait, what the heck? Like couldn't get into it. But I also never mm-hmm. really sat with it and tried to absorb it. Mm-hmm. But in general, I'm not one for jazz fusion. Yeah. You know, I like the, hard, the cool stuff and the hard Yeah, part. Exactly. Exactly. And I've tried to absorb it. It's funny, too, because we own it. I mean, we own Bitches Brew. Never play it. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. I feel like that's sort of the type of thing you need to have more of a base knowledge of jazz than I do before you can Mm -hmm. move on to appreciating that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's it's intermediate to advanced jazz fandom. And I just sort of stay in Jazz 101. Yep. I, you know? I feel the same way about me as well. So then yeah. I put a caveat on it. If you are a professional jazz musician, you're allowed to like it. <laughs> you can go, allowed. I get this. Kirk give, gave you his permission. I to, allow. To I will like allow. Miles Davis's legendary album. Bitches. You are welcome, professional musicians. You can like it now. I'll bet you'll at least admit it has one of the coolest album covers of all time. Oh, that album cover's great. Another reason it why it makes I, you want to like it more than you do, right? You're like, yeah. this, this, the, the packaging looks so cool that I just want to like it. The packaging it. looks cool. <laughs> the title is great. Bitches Brew is a great yeah. title. And you're like, oh, this is going to be good. And then you listen to it and you're like, oh boy, this is, this is a sloth. <laughs> it's a sloth. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I, I'll. Uh, as as far as I know, I agree. <laughs> Good, I'll take that. One day, maybe I'll learn to like bitches brew. Maybe. But now it's time for top fives, the main uh, segment on our show during the pandemic, when Kirk and I choose a topic for a list, and then we each separately choose our top five items for that list topic. In the last pandemic episode. We each picked our top five favorite songs from our own birth years, mine being 1982, yours being 1970. And for this pandemisode, we're swapping years. So you did 1982 and I did 1970. Yeah, We're flipping the script. This was very fun. This was great. This, this was, was harder for me because I was 12, so I knew a lot more. This was harder for me... Last time it was hard for me because I had a lot of sentimental favorites. Mm-hmm. This time was hard for me because nineteen, like that era in music was just like everything was on the table. Mm-hmm. Like there was so much variation in. There was just so much to pick from. Yeah, you know. Uh, and so, kind of like with my nineteen eighty two list, it's 
I don't know if it's really my five favorite songs from 1970 as much as it's five of my favorite songs from 1970. I'm sure there will be some that I forgot that I'll think of later and be angry that I didn't put on there. Exactly. Um, and like last time, I've got a, a, a few special, uh, you know, special shout outs and honorable menchies. Good. Hit me with them. I only have one, but hit me with yours. Well, first of all, your number one for 1970 was ABC by the Jackson Five, which yes. really like is my number one as well because <laughs> it's the best record ever made. Fair enough. So of course it's, but I'm not. I didn't. You know, I didn't put it on my list because I wanted my own. And also, yeah. by the same token, by the way, I almost went with One Bad Apple by the Oh, Osmonds. that's a good tune from I'm later ready. in 1970, which is clearly just an ABC ripoff. Yes. But if you're going to rip off a song, you may as well rip off the greatest record ever made. And they rip I it off honorably. Yeah, oh, One yeah. Bad Apple's great. But I didn't feel right. Like, I couldn't have it on my top five list and not have ABC. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. implying that it's better somehow, which it is not. Yeah. What's yours? What's your... Uh, uh, I have one, and it's from a group we've mentioned before, Zap. And it's oh, one yeah. of my... Yeah, one of my favorite songs, my second favorite song from them, uh, Dua Diddy, parenthetical, Blow That Thing. Oh, yeah. Why is why is that an honorable mention for you? I had I love that simply song. because I have overplayed it over the years. <laughs> I just, I've played it so much. I played it so much that Anne actually associates that song with me. And she's like, you play it all the time. And I just, it, it just fatigue, strictly fatigue. So I put it in okay. honorable mention. It's definitely my favorite Zap song. Yeah, great song. Great song. That was the year of your birth, sir. Mm-hmm. I also have on mine Pressure Drop by Toots and the Maytals. I have and no please, idea what that is. You don't know Pressure Drop? Well, okay, maybe when I explain why it's an honorable mention. Okay. Technically, it was released originally in 1970. Mm-hmm. But... It wasn't like a hit or anything until later when it was on the the Heart of They Come soundtrack in oh, 1973. Okay. And then they also re-released it on their album, Funky Kingston, which is like the legendary Toots and the Maytals album. Okay. And so it, officially, technically, it was originally released in 1970, but it didn't really hit until 73. Okay. So because of that, I don't consider it really a 1970 song. You know Fair I mean? It wasn't. Enough. It wasn't woven into the fabric of 1970. It came later. That makes sense. Uh, so and I'm, I'm gathering kidding. this was a reggae song. Uh, more like rock steady. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You. You'd probably like it. All right. Maybe I'll not check if that it's out. Just like the reggae beat that you kind of don't like, but yeah. I like Toots and the Maytals. Okay. Uh, and then of course the Beatles, because they put out, you know, their last album in 1970. So, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you have that to. would just I, be I like the top five would just be like all Beatles songs. <laughs> not yeah. to mention like George Harrison's first album, which I think was seventy and not seventy one. But oh wow, I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah. So uh, so yeah, just the Beatles. <laughs> just the and Beatles, and it's Let It Be, and it's the Beatles, and it's Let It Be, and it's just you know it's full stop. It is. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start or do I'll start because I think you started last okay. time. I'll start. I'm gonna put money on that you love my number five uh it's a delightful song from 1982 kind of new wave poppy love plus one by haircut 100 don't know that song oh my god it's right in your it's it's british new wave pop you do you know haircut 100 I've heard of Haircut 100, and maybe if I heard the song, I'd say, oh, yeah, I know this. You'll, you, I always put money on you know it. You've heard it in movies. Yeah. Um, they're ska-influenced, so they kind of like madness a bit. Okay. Uh, Love Plus One. Piggyback, piggybacking off like the specials and the two-tone yes. thing. But, but, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but Love Plus One was their big hit. Uh, very melodic, very fun, very 80s uh, kind of groovy. I'm shocked that you don't know it. It's where do we go? Maybe from here? I do. Maybe you, I, I do. But I'm not almost positive me. you know it. Where do we go from here down to the lake? I fair. Very cool. <laughs> no. Not oh right yeah, enough? of course. <laughs> there you, you really, go. You really sold it just yeah. there. And now I know exactly. With my talking, I sold the song. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but Love Plus One has always been one of those 80s songs. It's, that's on like all the 80s compilations. Um, they're a one-hit wonder in the U.S. They weren't in England. But Love Plus mm-hmm. One, a delightful little song to start off at number five. Well, you're in a unique position in this episode because in our last episode, we both did the years we were born. So we neither of us had memories yeah. of those songs from when we were born. This time I'm going 12 years before I was yeah, born. Yeah, you had nothing. But you're going to like when you were in junior high. So do you have like a personal memory of that song being a hit or did you discover it later? No. Do you remember? Huh? Of the moment. All the songs that I have are of the mo- of the year. Like where I discovered so this is them. like the soundtrack to junior high for you. Yes. <laughs> or sixth grade yes. maybe. Yeah. So yeah. 82, I was 12. Yeah. So it was like sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll bet you love my number five. All righty. It's Fleur de Lune by Francois Hardy. I Do you know that? I could have sworn you were super into... I think into, I know that. Yes. You're, su- you're super into like 60s French pop, right? I do like 60s oh, French pop. Oh, wait, no, pop. that's me. That's me. I'm the one who's into French you're, pop. And you're <laughs> kind of into it, right, though? <laughs> You don't I, do. I was No, I was super into it. No, like, I know you were. Like 15 years ago. We've talked before about Jacqueline yeah. Tayeb and mm-hmm. I think we've talked about Serge Gainsbourg a little. I never got like deep into it. I know the hitmakers. Yeah. Francois Hardy is sort of a major French singer. I feel like you've mentioned before the song. We may have watched like a video of Francois Hardy from like French TV in 1967. Maybe. Yeah. There's a there, there is a video of her that I love a lot that I, I'd be surprised if I didn't bring on the show. But if I did, I don't know what topic we did. Yeah. But uh, Fleur de Lune is um, it's just a favorite of hers for me. And it's mm-hmm. on her 1970 album Soleil, uh-huh. which I think means sun. I don't speak it does. French. I, speak I think some Fleur French. de Lune means flower of the moon. Yes, it does. Fleur de, Fleur de Lune. Yeah, yes. flower, of, flower of the moon. Flower of the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I like the French music. I don't know what any of the words mean. Well, apparently I know what some of the words mean. You know enough to enjoy the music. Yeah, but Francois Hardy is great. That's a dope song. <laughs> so I'm sure she'd appreciate me. Yeah, I'm sure when she recorded, she said, I'm, I, I hope some bald 30-something <laughs> American idiot in 2020 says that my record is dope. Yeah. I'm making this for the future. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Put that on your playlist. I swear, I know it. you've talked about it, and it makes me think that I've heard it from you. Or from maybe Anne, because she's into that music too, so I need to check that Fleur out. Fleur de Lune? Yeah, maybe. Fleur de Lune, because it sounds very, very familiar. Yeah. Um, all right, my number four is the one rap song I have on uh Ooh, from 1982. 1982 rap it's the less can i guess Ooh, yeah you can is it a group or a a single artist is it the treacherous three no okay it's because it had had been on the um on the radio a little more like i almost put the message the message for was was on the radio a lot at this time because that was 1982 grandmaster fast flash and the furious five um, but instead I went to the one where I knew the most lyrics and that's eighth wonder by the sugar hill gang. Oh, hell yeah. 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 The song after, uh, rapper's delight. So they did rapper's delight. Yeah, I... That was huge. They did, uh, eighth wonder and eighth wonder was like, I knew uh rapper's delight and it was on eighth wonder. I actually think I, I recorded off the radio. So that was the one I recorded the radio <laughs> and learned the whole lyrics to it. And uh, that's why I actually know it better than uh, Rapper's Delight. Is that a long-ass record with like 10 verses the way Rapper's Delight is? So fucking long. And, and you then know there's the like, whole thing? Uh, Do you still know I the whole know thing? Chunks. Uh, yeah. I'm Master G and I don't take no mess. All the ladies say my voice is rated X. I'm a touch of lightning, yeah. the taste of fire. I'm Master G. I'm your desire. Young ladies, they want to get 
something that I forgot after that. Uh, but that's the match. No, that's G1. cool because everybody knows Rabbit's Delight. I love that you yeah. go for the lesser known here. I went for the lesser known, and that was the one that uh, throw it up, throw down. We're there. The Sugar Hill Gang is in your town. The baby dolls and all you daddy yo say you better get ready to move your toes. That sounds so old. It doesn't even sound like rap now. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, remember that SNL sketch they used to do, or was like a rap talk show with these two middle-aged rappers yeah. just like a yeah. rip a rap a ribbity rap rap a rick rock ribbity do <laughs> that's exactly just... what it sounds like now it's so yeah. old but at the time 82 man i was like this is the future it's still awesome oh it's great but that was that early era was when they were like recording 12 inch singles and they're like well i guess we have to fill 10 minutes with <laughs> with all these verses and yes a, yes and then a like, short stories worth of, of lyrics exactly and then it's like now yeah. we're going to have a long musical break and then we're going to get back into another uh, uh verse and just like this is way too long yeah yeah, yeah. but that uh, that is my number four. Oh, that's a great that's a great pick yeah i'm happy about that uh okay my number four is by a legendary band this is my f- I'm going to say this is my favorite song by the Beach Boys. And it's called Cool Cool Water I from the Sunflower album. Know it. From the album Sunflower? From the album Sunflower. Okay. This is this on paper I should hate this song. It's slightly longer than 5 minutes. <laughs> Ooh. It's not really it's not really catchy. Because it's not really a pop song. It's like one of Brian Wilson's sort of orchestral, like, sound collages, mm-hmm. you know? This is one of those songs that post-Pet Sounds... I mean, I don't know how much you know about the Beach Boys, but he very famously had that album Smile that never got finished. Because yes. he went crazy trying to <laughs> complete it, yes. basically. But in the years after that, the Beach Boys sort of stripped Smile for parts... And like a bunch of albums in the late 60s and early 70s would have songs that were sort of reworked versions of songs that were meant for Smile. Mm -hmm. And Cool Cool Water is one of those. Okay. So it's very soothing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like what it's called. (laughs) And... Brian, Brian, I obviously I think that Brian Wilson is the genius that he's said to be, but he's yeah. not a great lyricist. Wow, hot take. And like, and like vegetables are busy doing nothing. The the lyrics to "Cool Cool Water" are pretty inane. It's basically just like "Cool Cool Water" really cools <laughs> you down when it's hot. <laughs> when it's hot outside, get yourself some cool water. <laughs> like it's, the lyrics are nothing to write home about, but it's it's very pleasant to listen to and it does have a lyric that i like which is one of my favorite beach boys lyrics in the ocean or in a glass cool water is such a gas oh jesus they're not even trying you see what he did there he's having <laughs> he's having a little wordplay about the states of matter yes yeah, i get it yeah it's clever it's a gas good good job but it's water good job yeah. mr wilson it was 1970 they're on acid. They're on acid. What album? What album was God Only Knows? That's on Pet Sounds. Oh, so that's way earlier, like sixty-seven. Then uh, Pet, Pet Sounds, Sound? I think, is sixty-six or sixty-seven. Oh, okay, I like that. That's my favorite one. Okay, I thought that was later. Sure, I love God. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a great song. Classic. Yeah. Uh, you might not hate Cool Cool Water. I'll have to check that I also, one out too. I also love any time Mike Love has to sing on a record that you know he hated making <laughs> wasn't it because he just wanted to make pop songs about surfing like yeah. they did early on and yeah. he didn't have any time for any of brian's bullshit but he's <laughs> still in the band and he's still singing on the record so still doing it still making the paycheck i, I love hearing his voice and knowing that he was rolling his eyes while he was because <laughs> he's the worst <laughs> yeah oh god that's good Cool, cool, cool water. Cool, cool. All right, I will check that one out. If it's not too Beach Beach Boysy, I'll I'll listen to it. I literally was listening to it while I was out uh, for a walk yesterday when it was like 96 degrees. It was so hot. Yeah. That song came on and it it actually did cool me down. Wow. It was a gas. Cool water really did cool me down. It was a gas, baby. (laughs) 
was a gas baby. Paul says in it was a gas baby. In a glass, cool water is such a gas. Boy, oh boy, it's just don't put any effort into that lyric. Come on, it's not about the lyrics. It's not about the. Lyrics. It's a vibe, man. It's a vibe. I get it. Yeah, it's very it. much a vibe. That song is a vibe. Cool. Uh, yeah. My number three is a vibe for me. Uh, hey, that mm-hmm. rhymed. Um, it is a. It was a. It was a late edition song that I added, and I added it because I have yet to get tired of it. Uh, I loved it when it first came out. I think I love it more now than when I did when it first came out. And it's "I Like It" by DeBarge. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, that. I know who DeBarge is, but I yeah, know that song. You might know the song. Um, they've it's been sampled a lot. It's the the um, the chorus has been used a lot in a lot of songs. I mean, it's it's not that much more uh, sophisticated than the gas lyric because it's basically I like it, <laughs> I like it, yeah. I really really like it, I'm for mm-hmm. it, adore it. So it's similar. That's to, perfect. That's yeah, a perfect pop song. Perfect. Yeah. But it's a it's a great early f jam before f jams were called f jams <laughs> oh so it's slow it's a slow it's, jam yeah but it's not a ballad yeah it's a slow jam it, but it's not mm-hmm. a ballad it's it just grooves um okay. it's the best debarge song um see when i think debarge i think rhythm of the night so i was imagining something that like upbeat and, oh and dancing, no it's, it's not, uh yeah. no and it's not one of their ballads because they have a lot of ballads like time it will reveal and stuff like that so this is one of their rare slow jam mid grooves which is right in the pocket of, of of how i love my music so uh although <laughs> yeah. i do love uh rhythm of the night i love you wear it well which is later stuff but uh, i like it is is their top song by far Cool. I'll definitely uh, check that out. Underrated '80s band that deserves more recognition. Uh, there was um, a competitor on the latest episode, uh, latest season of RuPaul's Drag Race, mm-hmm. who is a young kid who was probably born in the late '80s or early '90s, and he had when he was not in drag and he was in boy, he had a mullet and it was mm-hmm. sort of a curly mullet. And every time RuPaul would see him. RuPaul like clearly had a crush on this kid and would keep like comparing him. He would call him like El DeBarge and call him, <laughs> oh, compare him to good. El DeBarge and call him that. And like, and just wanting to, you know, yes and him and go along, he would kind of just nod and be like, uh huh. But he clearly had no idea who El DeBarge was. <laughs> yes. And then the editors, as the season went on, every time RuPaul would mention it, would edit in just the brief snippet of Rhythm of the Night. <laughs> like they would put the, put the music into Oh, the that's episode. genius. It was great. That's was great. fucking genius. Yeah, I love that the kid's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't even yeah, know who the Barge is. This means nothing to me. And it was really showing, because it, it is very funny to watch that. I mean, RuPaul is 60 years old at this point and is, you know. Not as hip as he used to be. Yeah, so he'll just he'll reference things from the '80s and even the '90s. Yeah, and the kids who are competitors on the show are just like, sh- sh- okay, sure, <laughs> sure, Granny <Sure>. Rue. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they're not sure. really condescending because they worship RuPaul. Obviously. Exactly, he's a legend to them. So, but yeah, I mean, there's like whatever you say, whatever you say. More and more often, they know less and less what uh, the hell RuPaul's uh, talking about. It sums up my life. DeBarge, yeah. Uh, okay, my number three is a uh, about a band we definitely talk, talked about. And there's a video that I almost put on the show a million times, and I don't think I ever did. band is the MC5. Who I actually like. You do like them. Yeah. I like their, ones, their one big song, Kick Out the Jam. Kick Out the Jams, yeah. This is not song. that. This is okay. Kick Out the Jams. That's from 1969. This is Looking at You. Okay, don't know the it. album back in the USA. This is just a kick-ass proto-punk rock song. Mm. Uh, it's it's the only problem I have with this record, and it's not their fault. But every time I've heard it, it's I've never heard a record more in need of remastering. The sound is so like tinny, mm-hmm. and you have to really have like real bass, like good bass headphones in to get like the the you know the but. Doesn't the that groove out of it? But doesn't the tinny make it more 
and I'm saying this honestly, like punk for you, like it's kind of low grade. Does not low grade make it better? No, because it's not lo-fi. It just uh-huh. sounds like like the bass is out on the speakers that you're listening oh, to. Oh, okay. okay. And it sucks all the power out of it. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the song really chugs. Uh, it's great. And it's got a couple of real cool like dive bomb Wayne Kramer guitar solos in it. But it's short because every, you know. They're all short, right? Pop rock song should be. Um it's it's definitely my favorite MC5 mm. record. It's one of my favorite rock songs of all time. Did they only have like one or two albums? Uh, three or four. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, this is their second. It's the lead off track, I think, on their second album. You know what I appreciate? But there's a there's a video online of them playing it live at Wayne State University in oh. 1970. Did we watch this? Because it's the video where they are fucking. I have never seen. A rock band tear it up like they did that afternoon in Michigan. And the crowd of college students watching them is just sort of standing there. Yes. Like yes. We did right? see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's almost yep. like they don't know what to make of it. And yes, they're not we talked really about grooving that. along. They're just kind of like. Yeah. And I'm like, they should be ripping each other's heads off. <laughs> yeah. And they were gobsmacked. Like, they were completely gobsmacked. Or maybe they're they're just hippies and this is just way too much for them. I, you know, it's just <laughs> They weird. can't process it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I appreciate about MC5, besides the song Kick Out the Jams, which I do love, is that, and I'm sure I've mentioned before, while they would play, they would do, they would in unison do the little kicking. They would kick while... Oh, yeah. And while That's they played, what I mean. There's... The, there's a part like in that live performance when Fred Smith and Wayne Kramer sort of both go up to the stage and they kind of do this synchronized thing with it. Yeah. Like, when they're playing the guitar solo, they like rip them up like in sync, you know, like yeah. sort of this wave thing. And they're going like, wah, wah, you know, it's they had stagecraft. Yes. Yes. And I applaud which them is for not like, punk. It's not no. punk to care enough to sort of choreograph your rock performance that much. But yeah. it is cool. I appreciate the choreography that they're like, you know what? We're punk, but we're going to take the time to put on a show and we're going to do right. something special. I love it. As opposed to just kind of standing there. Yeah, because it's it's old enough that they still had that leftover show business things of like, these people paid good money to see us and we're going to give them a show. Yeah, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I appreciate them. Like, we're not going to wear suits and ties, but we're going to entertain the people. Yeah. We're not just going to stand there and scream. Right. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, my, I'm at number two. My number two is a bit of an outlier, uh, but I, it's my again uh, my favorite song from a band that probably should have been bigger, but ran into troubles. It is "Flamethrower" <laughs> by the Jay Giles Band. Oh yeah, the Jay Giles Band. Yeah, I forgot about them. Slept. We people sleep on the Jay Giles Band, and. Yeah. They had the album Freeze Freeze Frame, had the big song Centerfold, had sure. the next single. Then they had Freeze Frame, the song, which was pretty big. and then they Which came, was already sort of a comeback for them because they were yeah. big in the 70s and they started having that pop hit in the 80s. Yeah. And then they came out with Flamethrower, which is a straight up popping and locking, almost R&B rap song. Really? Yeah. Like... <laughs> The the rap cadence that uh, Peter Wolf was doing is very much a a rap kind of cadence, and yeah. then uh, the, the the beat and there's a lot of synth. It is straight up a break dancing song, and I've seen people break dance to it. It's great. I break dance I ne- to it. I never knew. Yeah, I never knew. Yeah, and uh, I find that I'm I'm always fascinated by Jay Giles band because. For those who don't know, Jay, the lead singer was not named Jay Giles. He was the guitarist. Yeah. Peter Wolf was the, the the lead singer. They did, like you said, you know, they're big in the seventies, kind of did. Wolf of Yeah, and Love Stinks. Mm-hmm. I think that was maybe that was eighty or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they uh, came back with Freeze Frame, and then Peter Wolf's like, "Fuck it, I'm gone," <laughs> <laughs> and he left. He's too cool for that shit. Too cool for that. Came out with one solo album, one hit, and then never heard from that guy again either. And then did Jay Gouge never heard from them again. They just kind of disappeared into the eighties. Yeah. So I wonder if they were a bigger deal 
when I was growing up because they're a Boston band and I grew up in New England. And also Peter Wolf before that had been a, a like an FM DJ in Boston on HJY. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. That's very yeah. interesting. He, um, it felt like, it felt like it was almost like they were a bar band that had just kind of done good. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden yeah, they're yeah. like, Basically, holy yeah. fuck, we're like a pop band now. And then they were like, I don't want to be a pop band. I still love that live version of Must Have Got Lost with that whole oh. like spoken intro. Yes. yes. Oh my God. I That's have not thought about that the most so seven, long. The most 70s fucking thing in the world. Oh, I forgot about that. That is yeah. great. Yeah. yeah but okay. uh, Freeze Frame came out in 82 and uh, I knew them more about that than I knew. I knew Love Stinks, but all mm-hmm. the other stuff was kind of later. And I was like, oh man, I bought that album. I also had their last song on the album, Piss on the Wall. <laughs> cool yeah that was a good song that was a good album yeah i like that sort of like dirty bar band sort of scummy yeah it's pretty cool aesthetic it's yeah. pretty cool and like your jay giles weird. and your your george thoroughgoods and that yes type of thing your fabulous yeah. thunderbirds <laughs> oh yeah yes That's but i don't I... know the song you're talking about i didn't know they they recorded a fucking rap song it's it's if you hear it, you're like, oh my God, this is the Jay Giles band, but it still feels yeah. Jay Gilesy. It's just mm-hmm. definitely pops. It's definitely of the moment. They're not trying to be a bar band in the Flamethrower song. Flamethrower. And that's on Freeze Frame? That's on Freeze Frame. And they released it as like the third and final single. And it didn't do as well as Freeze Frame or Centerfold, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. I had no idea. That's because uh, I knew the singles, but I've never listened to the Freeze Frame the album, so I never heard it. Yeah, that's uh, that's my number two. Uh, my number two is once again from a band I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. This band held the number one spot in a previous top five for me. Oh, in, in our songs that smooth us out. Oh fuck! My number one song on that was a song called. Kites Are Fun by The Free Design. My number two from 1970 is Bubbles by The Free Design. I know Bubbles because you played it for me. Bubbles is my favorite Free Design record. Wow. Bubbles has maybe the wildest bass line I've ever heard in my life. This white christian family (laughs) band from upstate new york has no business being as funky as they are it's weird yes yeah i don't know why stereo lab even bothered existing when we already had bubbles hot hot take no that is a hot take i love stereo but they they owe a lot to the free design and in particular to bubbles that's uh, which sounds so like funny. a song that the, that Stereo Lab would have recorded if it had been around in 1970. Did you realize well, that it was from 70, or did you look at 70 and you're like, oh shit, free design? That's I'm putting it on, or did you already know it was from 1970? The, the latter, the latter. Okay, okay, I didn't know for sure that that al- the album it's on came out in 1970, but as soon okay. as I saw that that was the case, I was like, well, Bubbles is going on my list. <laughs> yes, Bubbles. You, you must listen to it with a good pair of headphones with the bass up. The whole thing is great. I mean, they're a vocal band. Their harmonies are the mm-hmm. main feature of the free design. But on this on this particular song, the bass is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Can I, I'm going to give I'm going to give a impromptu don't at me right now. Yeah. No one in their 30s. Loves the free design more than Paul Champanelli. Don't at me. <laughs> I don't know about that. A lot of they're, they're they have they definitely have a cult following. Do they? I mean, of of like people in their thirties. Yeah, probably. Wow. I'll bet you a lot of Stereo Lab fans are led to the free design. Their music gets used in like in movies sometimes. Yeah, people find their way to the free design. Okay, I'm not. I'm not like. The world's biggest free design fan. They've, they've got fans. Okay. Got fans. All right. And 
But uh, yeah, the first time we talked about them after we stopped recording, I played Bubbles for you. Yes. You sort of low-key lost your shit. I lost it's my very, shit. It's a very good song. Because <laughs> again, I only knew him from Yo Gabba Gabba. And then when you're like showing me all the stuff that's even better than I Found Love, I was like, oh my God. It's it's the funkiest soft rock or the funkiest sunshine pop record ever. Yeah, for sure. it's crazy. It, it, what are they doing being that funky? Like you said, it's weird and it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Love that song. Oh, that was a good pick. That was a good pick. All right. All right. Yeah, my number one. number one is so obvious and so like, duh. <laughs> but I yeah. had to put it on for a very specific reason. It's 1999 by Prince. Oh, okay. 1999 came out in 1982. It came out in 1982. Okay. Because yeah, it was off, it was also of the 1999 album, which came out in yeah. 1982, and the reason I had to put it at number one, I didn't want to, but I was like, I have to, I have no choice. That 1999 is the song that got me into Prince. I didn't know of Prince oh. until 1999. Oh, sure. Yeah, so I just had to. Was it the first single off of the album? I thought yes. Little Red Corvette was. It, uh, no, Little Red Corvette came second, but Little okay. Red Corvette hit harder and was a bigger hit yeah. than 99. And I was 12, had no idea that Prince existed. And then I heard 1999 and it was life changing. And even at the time, because I was only 12, I was like, oh, here's this new artist that came out. His name is Prince. Not knowing that he had had four previous albums before 1999. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me when you were 10 years old, you weren't listening to Dirty Mind? I wasn't listening to Dirty Mind. I just wasn't. You know, didn't know it existed. So he, 1999, the song and the album was, was like my gateway drug into Prince. And had that song not crossed over, I probably wouldn't have known of Prince. So I had, I had to put it at number one. I mean, absolutely you had to. It's 1999 is absolutely the ABC of 1982. (laughs) Yes. Well said. Yeah. You had no choice. Yeah. It was, and that was, that was the, that was the album that, crossed him over and became big and led to Purple Rain and all that other stuff. Yeah. It's still one of my favorite Prince songs. Oh yeah. It's still great. It still holds up. It's still funky. I mean, just like let's go crazy. Where, oh yeah. You know, like I'm like, you know, I've heard that song a million times. Do I really need to hear it again? No, I'm sorry. As soon as he says dearly beloved, yeah. and it comes on the radio. I'm like, Oh shit. Here we go. <laughs> like, <I'm, laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I just heard 1999 comes on as soon as this, What's the the opening lyric about? Uh, I was dreaming when I wrote I this. Wrote this forgive like, me if I oh, yeah. this song is the best. It's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Yes, and what's funny is that the in the album 1999 is the first cut, but there's a little mm-hmm. spoken like distorted voice before the song starts. Oh yeah, yeah. What does it say? It's don't worry, I won't hurt you. I don't only want you. you to have some <laughs> fun. fun. And that yeah, 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 freaked yeah, yeah. me out as a 12-year-old. And I was like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> it's not on the radio cut. Right. Just so, Prince having some fun. Just, just Prince fucking and with me. those organs. Yep. That open it. Oh, that song is so fucking good. It's no, so absolutely. Good. That's, yeah. That should be number one. That was and my I, number one. Just like with ABC, I'm a little ashamed that I Because <laughs> okay. I had to be cool and I had to be like, oh, the DBs. <laughs> you uh, got to know them. <laughs> learn about them. Yeah, Amplifier, not 1999, but no, absolutely, <laughs> it's the best song of 1982. It's fantastic. Of course it is. Um, but now I'm going to be a pretentious dick again and not pick like a Led Zeppelin song or a Beatles song. I mean, I didn't think you were going to pick like Credence or anything. No, no. Yeah. My number one song, this, I mean, this this is really a fucking cool record. And if you don't know it, Kirk, I guarantee you will like this. It is uh, a... a Latin jazz funk instrumental. Hmm. The name of the song is Mandrill. Oh, shit! From the album Mandrill by the band Mandrill. I absolutely know Mandrill. You know Mandrill. Yeah, yes. okay, good. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That has been sampled a lot, too, in hip-hop. A lot of Mandrill has been yes. sampled. Oh, this is the this is the opening cut on their debut album. Mandrill. Wow, that was a good pull, Paul. 
fucking Mandrill. I oh mean, I, I like Mandrill in general, but this is one of those things where it's like they sort of never top the first song on their first <laughs> album. Yeah, the first Scott. Yeah, and they're still around. They have an album coming out like next month. Oh my god. That but is the, such a good poll. Mandrill by Mandrill. That, from Mandrill. <laughs> from Mandrill, which also makes yeah. it great. Yeah, yes. I love it when bands have a song that's the name of the band. Yes, like Big Country <laughs> it's doing Big company. Country. Right. <laughs> yeah, fucking Mandrill. No lyrics except for the part where they say Mandrill. <laughs> oh my God. That is that is the perfect 70s deep cut, yeah. but that's still, you know, just enough. You know, it's just that's, like, oh yeah, I know that. That song tears you a new funkier ass <laughs> and i don't i've never heard of a, a funkier song that has not only a vibraphone solo but a flute solo yeah they're not fucking around and it rules yeah oh it's not like oh let me get through the flute solo to get back to the cool part of the song yeah you're like fuck yeah play that flute yeah that part, <laughs> that flute hits hell yeah oh Mandrill. that was a great pull my favorite song from 1970. Wow. Yes. Well done. Yes. Oh my god. That was that was mind-blowing. That's a that's how you finish. Finish strong yeah. to the whole, Paul. So now between this episode and last episode, people can pick my picks from this episode and your picks from last episode, put together a nice 1970 playlist. My picks from last episode and your picks from this episode put together a real schizophrenic 1982 <laughs> A way just crazy, crazy one. But that's also what's great about 1970 is for some reason when you mix all that shit from 1970 that's also different, it, it blends really well. Because just like anything was, like I said, anything was on the table. Yeah, yeah. Especially even more so, I mean, like 82, there's still just a lot of stuff that's kind of homogenous. Where the 70s, you're like, oh, there's MC5. Oh, here's the Carpenters. And you're just like, wait, what? What's going on? It really underlines how much shit changed in those yeah. 12 years. Yeah. It like, really if you is look fascinating. At, if you think back on music from 12 years ago, like from 2008, it wasn't that crazy different from what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of it's interchangeable. It just things don't progress like that anymore. Yeah. The it, difference between 1970 and 1982 is insane yeah it might as well be like centuries because it's just so yeah. different and it feels yeah. like there's been a longer time between them it's fascinating as opposed to like you said 2008 2020 which doesn't seem like it's been any time yeah yeah uh i'm gonna listen to mandrill tomorrow hell yeah man fuck yeah well done <laughs> uh but that's it for this pandemisode bye bye